I'm Tavish Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. In this hour of conversation um, with a person who's uh, no stranger to this particular program, I always am delighted to be in dialogue with him and glad to have him back. He is award-winning actor, playwright, director, and educator, Roger Guinevere Smith. And he's returning to the stage. He will premiere his new solo performance of Otto Frank at the Public Theater's Under the Radar Festival, January 12th through the 22nd. And I am delighted to have a conversation with Roger Guinevere Smith on this program in just a moment. First, though, some sound from Otto Frank. You met the fate of your father and your little fountain pen. But who would have known that you would be the new Saint Joan, burning at the stake while someone in an office says, wow, this would make a great movie. Roger Gunnar Smith, my first time speaking to you, my friend, in the new year. So first of all, happy new year. How are you, sir? Happy 23 to you as well, Tavis. Um, we have a lot of work to do this year and, uh, thank you so much for leading the way, uh, sonically and, uh, theoretically. No, appreciate you, it. You are kind. Appreciate you, man. Love you dearly. Uh, we do have a lot of work to do and I want to talk about that work to do. Uh, and I know exactly, um, where I want to go in that conversation about all the work that needs to be done in this country, uh, in the, uh, in the days ahead. We'll get to that a little bit later in the hour. Uh, but let me just jump right in. I want to deal with this out of Frank, um, uh, a stage play mm. first. Uh, I wanted to play some sound, uh, to give people a sense of what they're going to uh, see, uh, when they're in the audience, uh, for the public theaters under the radar festival and see this production, uh, your solo performance of Otto Frank. But I want to. I always make sure that the audience and, 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 and you and me are on the same page. So I, I should start with this. For those who don't know the name Otto Frank, take a moment, take some time. Tell us who Otto Frank was. Well, Otto Frank was the father of the renowned diarist Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. And he was also the only member of his immediate family to survive the Nazi murder camps. He lost his two daughters and his wife in the camp. But he lived a a very long and productive life. He lived to the age of 90. Mm. He lived to the year 1980. And um, he, of course, was the steward of his daughter's work. Um, It was initially, very interestingly, a gift from Otto to his daughter for her 13th birthday while they were hiding from the Gestapo in uh in Amsterdam and she wrote in that diary as we know every day and and she gave it to her father every night for safekeeping and he put it in his briefcase and then after the war <clears throat> after the diary had been hidden by a comrade in Amsterdam it was hoped that the diary would be reunited with its author but it was not tragically and was given to her father. And we can only imagine him trying to read that, um, having lost his daughter, having lost his daughter the way that he did, to go through that diary and to decide what to do with it. You know. 
Mm. Um, thank you for you know just uh, starting with at at this place of um, understanding who who Otto Frank was, which leads me to the next the next obvious question. And let me preface this question by saying there are many things I mm. love about you and respect about you and uh, your work and your witness, uh, and I mean that sincerely. One of the things is. I, I, I love the unique choices that you make, whether it's on screen or on stage. I love that you make so many unique choices. Um, you don't ever play the same character twice. Um, you seem to challenge yourself. This is my read of your of your corpus, your body of work. You seem to challenge yourself. You're always playing, you know, different characters. I mean, as different from 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 A to Z. Um, and so I, I love the choices that you make. And so I'm not surprised when I see you choose to do something that I would not have put on the docket for you. Uh, but so, yeah. but, but, but I'm always turned on by that. Tell me why uh, Roger Guinevere Smith would, would, would want to play uh, on stage Otto Frank. What was the, what was the pull, the, the draw for you? Interestingly enough, Tavis, I was invited to Amsterdam to do another solo performance called Rodney King. Mm -hmm. um, and we did a film of it and it's streaming on, Netflix as we speak. Mm -hmm. um, the first place that I went to when I had a break in Amsterdam was to the Anne Frank house. And for you or any of our listeners who have ever been there, um, you know that it is a very inspiring um, and very disturbing place where these eight people hid for almost two years mm -hmm. uh, in an attic. Um, so that was really the, the resolve of it, you know, from, a, from an emotional point of view. Because I walked into that place and I imagined this man, you know, having lost his two daughters, having lost his wife. And he's in that empty room, and all he has in his hand are these pages, this diary that his daughter had faithfully filled out, you know, every night. Um, it, it to try to figure out that conundrum, mm -hmm. how how a man could simultaneously serve the living and the dead was. Uh, something that I wanted to dive into. Mm. So it became the next, the next focus. You've done so much great work in your career. Of course, uh, uh, many of us love you from all your collaborations with Spike Lee and, and so much of what mm. is in Spike's body of work. Um, but we also love you for your, for your, your stage plays. Um, you mentioned that the Rodney King piece is currently streaming on Netflix. It is indeed uh, your Huey P. Newton story piece. Uh, Peabody winning Huey P. Newton story is currently streaming on Hulu. You can't miss Roger Guinevere Smith. You're telling your television these days. All the streaming services are running something he starred in. Again, Rodney King on Netflix, Huey P. Newton on Hulu. Uh, and uh, he's the he's the voice of, uh, of of Willie Mays in the HBO documentary, Say Hey, Willie Mays. I mean, he's everywhere. Uh, and now he's uh, about to uh, premiere this uh, his performance of Otto Frank at the Public Theaters under the Radar Festival January 12th through 22nd. Let me ask this question. I'm only asking it because it's you. I wouldn't ask this question of anybody else because I don't know what kind of trouble it would get me in. Uh, and by trouble, I mean I don't, I don't know what, what to expect as an answer. But because I know you and how your mind works, and I heard the inflection that you put on Rodney King, I know there's something to this question, so I'm going to ask it anyway. 
Um, you, you, you end up being pulled in to do the Otto Frank story because you're in Amsterdam doing a performance of your one man show, Rodney King. Yes. So link, and you'll know exactly what to do with it. Link Rodney King and Otto Frank. Hmm. You see, you see, you see only you, what I asked that question of. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so interesting how. Rodney King linked me to Otto Frank. Uh, I had no idea that I would be going to Amsterdam to a wonderful festival called the Right About Now Fest. Um, and to see how these two gentlemen might be in conversation with each other, well, they are in conversation. Mm. with each other. They were in conversation with each other, and, and I'm simply the conduit of that conversation. Um, Rodney King obviously emerged from his beating the night of March 3rd, 1991, by Officers Coon, Powell, Brissino, and Wind, um, with a lot more than a headache. He became a symbol of something, and to try to transcend his symbolic structure, I think, led him off of this, off of this planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that Otto Frank, in a sense, attempts to hold on to the planet in the same way that Rodney King did because of the notoriety of what he then represented as his daughter's diary became more and more popular. The diary of Anne Frank is the most popular piece of nonfiction second only to the Bible. Uh, It's been translated obviously into you know, scores of languages, mm-hmm. and many editions, and and what have you. So, I think they both of them, Otto Frank and and Rodney King, uh, carried a tremendous weight, a tremendous weight, mm-hmm. and there was a physical weight for both of them because they were traumatized. Um, uh, but a psychological weight uh, as as well. Yeah, one can only imagine having to constantly um, rerun the most intimate thoughts of a daughter that you had lost. Uh, yeah, apparently holding on to her sister mm-hmm. in the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. When we come forward, um, we all know the diary diary of Anne Frank. Um, read it back in school, and I went back through it the other night uh, in preparation for our conversation. And and when we come forward, I I, I want to ask you a question that I'd never pondered until I was looking at it again the other night. Um, but I'm curious to get your take on it, uh, Roger Gwynevere Smith, and that is what you think the unique and specific takeaways are from the diary of Anne Frank for black folk. You're a black man. I'm a black man. Um, 
when we read stuff, we have to read it through the prism of our own understanding of our own existence. And for black folk in particular, uh, and again, if you, you know, have ever read the Diary of Anne Frank, then you, uh, you can look forward to the answer that uh, Mr. Smith would give us in a moment here. But uh, I'm curious as to what you think uh, the unique and interesting takeaways are uh, for black folk when they read the Diary of Anne Frank. We're talking to the brilliant thespian, Roger Gwynver Smith, whether he's on stage or on screen, he always picks these interesting roles and brings fascinating characters to life as only Roger Gwynver Smith can do. Uh, his latest is a solo performance of Otto Frank at the Public Theaters under the Radar Festival, January 12th through 22nd. We'll continue our conversation with Mr. Smith when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. We're not ratings-driven. We're engagement-driven. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest in this hour is the uh, brilliant actor, uh, Smiley, one of my favorite characters, uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, I'm delighted to be in dialogue with Roger Gwynevere Smith in this hour. Um, he is... Uh, Solo performance of Otto Frank, uh, the father of the the great diarist Anne Frank. Uh, that piece will premiere at the public theaters under the Radar Festival January the 12th and run through January the 22nd. He has all kind of stuff streaming everywhere right now. Huey P. Newton piece, as I said earlier, is on Hulu. The Rodney King piece is on Netflix. He's uh, the voice of, uh, Willie, uh, of uh, Willie Mays and Nelson George's equally acclaimed HBO documentary, Say Hey, Willie Mays. Uh, you saw him in the movie Till uh, about Mamie Till Mobley. He's everywhere, and for good reason. He's one of the best, uh, whether he's on stage or on screen, and he's a good conversationalist on top of all that. So I always enjoy uh, enjoy our dialogues. So let me let me get to this question I, I posed earlier, uh, Roger. And again, I hadn't even, I hadn't even processed this myself until mm-hmm. I was going back through the diary myself, kind of prepping for mm-hmm. our our dialogue today. Um, read this book back in school, hadn't read it for a number of years, The Diary of Anne Frank. Many of us have read it. Is there a particular way, are there unique and specific takeaways for black folk, you think, when they read The Diary of Anne Frank? I'm just curious. Well, I, I think that we have been exposed to, you know, this diary just like any other students in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, it's <clears throat> the most popular nonfiction uh, book in the world, second only to the Bible. So there are any number of kids from any number of communities in this country and all over the world who have been affected uh, by this book as a piece of history. Yes, of course, as a piece of dynamic uh, so-called juvenile uh, literature. Yes, definitely. As the journey uh, of uh, a a young girl who is coming into her womanhood and and reflecting on on that process in a very intimate way. Yes, it it works uh, in that way as well. But I don't want to look at uh, the diary as as simply a, a piece of my own educational nostalgia or certainly as a nostalgia for the 1940s as simply a meditation on what was Um, the story. The lesson here is very much in our present moment. Mm. 
we recently had a president of the United States go to the Mexican border and observe that a barbed wire fence was being constructed, and he remarked that there was nothing more beautiful than barbed wire when used properly. So the journey that my Otto Frank uh, is on goes beyond his daughter's era, his own era, even, where he turns up, for example, at the Holocaust Memorial uh, Museum in Washington, D.C., and it's uh, June 10th, 2009, and there's going to be a play that's going to be presented at the Holocaust Museum in commemoration of what would have been Anne Frank's 80th birthday. Mm -hmm. And the play is a dialogue, an imagined dialogue, between Anne Frank and Emmett Till. So an elderly white man, he was 88, double infinity, we call it, Mm walked into the museum and a younger man, a black man, security guard says, hello, sir. Welcome to the museum. And the man pulled out a rifle and the security guard stepped into the line of fire, took the shot and he was dead pretty much on arrival. And they shot the assailant as well. And apparently they were in the same operating room, table to table. And the son of the assailant said that the wrong man had died that day. And the son of the victim, who was just a little boy, but it's heartbreaking because if you go back and dig into the archives, you'll see that it's just a little boy with news microphones and cameras stuck in his face. And he just says, hey, I'm very sad, and I'm mad at the man who shot and killed my dad. So here we have, yes, the dilemma of the Frank family, um, kicking and screaming, you know, into this century. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Frank family meets our family uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that personally attracted to me, me to the story was that he was the father of two, two daughters, and I am as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that fundamentally what Otto has to negotiate is his survivor's guilt, um, his very energetic self-defense of his daughter's legacy. There were people who said that she didn't write it, mm-hmm. accused him of writing it, or other people who paid to write it accused him of exploiting his daughter's tragedy. 
the tragedy of his family, the tragedy of the Holocaust. He had to go to court to prove the authenticity of his daughter's diary. So he's consistently, you know, re-traumatized in, in this process. In, in, in your, and, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that his stepdaughter, because he remarried after the war, he married a, a, a survivor um, who had lost her son and her husband, and she and her daughter survived. But her daughter is now in her 90s. She's an exact um, contemporary of Anne Frank. They were friends, in fact, um, before they went into the camp in Amsterdam. And she said that she had told Otto, the elder Otto, hey, you're ignoring the living. You're paying too much attention to the dead. Um, meaning, hey, you know, there, you have grandchildren now yeah. who need your attention. So this was, you know, the big kind of challenge for Otto to simultaneously serve the living and the dead. And and I think that it's a challenge for all of us. That's part of the human struggle. Yeah. Nope, I was about to say, it's what it, what, it's what it means to be human, uh, to try to, uh, to, 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 to balance that. I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my clock here. I've got some news, traffic and sports I need to, to take care of. But um, on the other side, I, I want to come back to this, um, mm. to this, cause I've been, I've been noodling this since you uttered it for four minutes ago or so. Uh, and that mm -hmm. is this conversation. I, I want to have you help me imagine a conversation between Emmett Till and Anne Frank. Um, my mind is already going <laughs> in that regard. And you, you do this to me all the time. You say this stuff knowing I'm going to pick up on it, uh, because it's just, my mind just starts, starts working. Um, so when we come forward, uh, among other things I want to talk about with Roger Guinevere Smith, I want to come back to this notion of how he imagines a conversation uh, between these two iconic personalities, Emmett Till and Anne Frank. And then we're going to get into that conversation that I've been chomping at the bit to get into since he raised this phrase at the very top of our conversation, um, that we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, that's a question worth interrogating and unpacking. And we'll do all of that when we come forward after news, traffic, and sports with our guest, the brilliant award-winning actor, playwright, director, and educator, Roger Gunnar Smith on KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. 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 A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. So glad to have you with us uh, in this hour today as we continue our conversation with internationally acclaimed actor, writer, director, who uh, has created a prolific body of work on stage and on screen, Roger Gwynevere Smith, uh, who will premiere his solo performance of Otto Frank at the Public Theater's Under the Radar Festival January the 12th through the 22nd. And uh, I'm delighted to have him on in this hour to discuss uh, that, uh, that amazing body of work. We've been talking most of this hour about this Otto Frank piece, um, but uh, along the way we've uh, uh, pivoted here and there to discuss a few other things. And one of the things I want to pivot and talk about now uh, is this uh, this notion that he teased me with uh, intellectually a few moments ago 
uh, imagining a conversation between Emmett Till uh, and Anne Frank. Um, this play, Otto Frank, is about the diar- the father of the diarist, uh, inspired, I should say, by the father of the diarist, Anne Frank. Uh, and uh, it is uh, the latest in his, uh, again, prolific body of historically driven work. Uh, but when you when you made that comment some moments ago, uh, Roger, it got you got me thinking. Um, so help me imagine what a conversation between Emmett Till and Anne Frank might be about or sound like. Well, unfortunate, I think. It, unfortunately, I think it might sound a lot like the tragedy at that museum, mm-hmm. because here's the consciousness of two young people, children, who were not allowed in adulthood who have been brought together um, in in a moment that should have been celebrated in certainly another way, somebody's 80th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the cacophony of America, right? It descends upon what could have been, should have been, was intended to be, you know, uh, a lovely meeting of the minds of these two young, brilliant minds. And, um, so that I think is the most fundamental way that they meet. And to me, they meet because of the work that I do and, and that I try to do, Mm -hmm. uh, the film Till is an important film. Uh, it's out right now, and we have an opportunity to support it. And the performance by Danielle Deadweiler as Manny Till um, mm-hmm. is extraordinary and, and certainly worth the visit. But interestingly, this film emerges at the same time that I happen to be doing Otto Frank. Mm. And within the Till film, I play a real person who was a contemporary, actually, of Otto Frank, uh, a man by the name of Dr. Theodore Roosevelt Mason Howard. And Dr. Howard was born in Kentucky uh, under very modest circumstances. He was able to study medicine in California. He was an outstanding student and eventually set up his practice in Mound Bayou, Mississippi, which is a traditionally all-black town, which was built by black folks for black folks. And uh, Dr. Howard revived the town when he moved there in the uh, 40s. He became a political hotbed. He built the first swimming pool for black folks. He built a zoo, a park, a hospital, a clinic, an insurance company. One of his first young employees was a young man by the name of Medgar Evers, Mm -hmm. and he became a mentor to him. Um, So the the journey that I travel in in the Till film, uh, playing this uh, extraordinary man who in fact, invited uh, the Till family to Mississippi for the trial of the men who uh, murdered Emmett. And he was 
also functioning as a bodyguard for uh, Mrs. Till when she came down, and he didn't go anywhere if he was not armed. And the uh, carpool that went from Mound Bayou out to the county courthouse was uh, was mapped to go a different way every day mm-hmm. so that, you know, they could be safe. Yeah. Right? So we're talking about safety, security, self-defense. And these are certainly the same issues that the... Uh, that the Till, the Till family had to deal with, and that the Frank family had to deal with as well. No, I hear the connection. I hear it, um, and um, that's why I asked how, how you process the uh, the link between between those two things. Let me let me interrogate this other question now. I'm looking at my clock here, and we got uh, uh, some time left in this hour before I lose you. Now that we've talked about the Otto Frank piece which I know people are people are anxious to see at the, the public theaters under the radar festival again, January 12th is the premiere runs through January 22nd. Uh, now back to the very beginning of this conversation. <laughs> uh, I want to, I want to take you up on this and sort of interrogate this with you for the remainder of our time. And that is um, this phrase you used uh, at the top of our conversation. And we have a lot of work to do. It's not just, it's not just an obvious statement. Um, with you, uh, these things are always worth unpacking. So when you say um, in this moment in late modernity, uh, we have a lot of work to do, by that you mean what, Roger? Well, I mean uh, doing exactly what we're doing right now, which is taking advantage of this thing called the First Amendment, mm-hmm. um, which I think that we take for granted. And I think that it's something that uh, should be uh, explored to the fullest uh, every day. And this is the struggle that another one of my subjects, uh, Mr. Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. was dealing with during the course of his life because he was an editor, a publisher, an owner uh, of, a, of a free press. And it's it's essential that we push for the freedom uh, of the of the press every day. Uh, it's a, it's essential to who we are as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 hear your dog <laughs> wanting to be a part of this conversation. Uh, so well, the uh, dog's always part of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask George Clinton; he'll tell you. Yeah, I got you. Ask George Clinton. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> let, 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 let me let me let me ask let me let me say this. To, let me share this with you. Uh, and I think it's going to take me a minute or two a minute or two to share this. And so I'll share the story, and then we come forward. I'll get your your take on this because again. You've played so many, you know, brilliant people. You've played Rodney King. You've done Huey P. Newton. Uh, you're doing Otto Frank. You were in the in the Till film, playing a real person, Doctor Howard. You've you've done Frederick Douglass, and I want to come back to Frederick Douglass now because I was literally in conversation a few days ago. We had a mm-hmm. um, uh, there was an event here in the radio station building, uh, and um, a young brother walked up to, walked up to me and said, "Mr. Smiley." I've been waiting to meet you, and I'm so honored to meet you. I said, thank you, nice to meet you. He told me his name. 
He said, uh, I, have a, I have a bone to pick with you, and I've been wanting to have this conversation for a couple years now. I said, all right, brother. I, I braced myself. I said, I said, go ahead and give it to me. He said, you were fond of saying, and I get it, you were fond of saying, given how much you uh, love and have great regard for Dr. King, you were fond of saying that to your mind, MLK is the greatest American this country has ever produced. Am I correct? I said, you are indeed correct. That's my own assessment. Dr. King, for me, is the greatest American this country has ever produced. He said, I love Dr. King, but I, I, I want to push back on that. And I get this from time to time. I said, OK, who you got for me? I, I, I knew where the conversation was going. Who you got? Uh, and he came with Frederick Douglass. <laughs> and it reminded me of a conversation I had with Killer Mike, the great, the great rap artist, who uh, came on this program one day. And we spent 30 minutes in conversation two great men, but I got King and Killer Mike gave me his best argument for Frederick Douglass as the greatest American this country has ever produced. So this brother who was in my conference room came at me and wanted to make his case for and on behalf of Frederick Douglass. And it's not a competition. It's just a, it's, it's a, it's an interesting intellectual uh, exchange. I think to be in to hear people make the argument for Frederick Douglass. So when we come forward, uh, since Roger Gwinnever Smith has played uh, Frederick Douglass and is much uh, more familiar with his work than many of us, uh, I'm not going to, it's not a tete-a-tete, -tete. as I say, it ain't a competition, but I am curious as to what he put on the table uh, in making an argument about the greatness, which is, which is undeniable, it's, in, you know, it's undeniable, but I, I'm just curious as to his take on Frederick Douglass and his import, his, uh, his impact uh, on this conversation. Uh, about great Americans. We'll get Roger's take on that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Be sure to like and follow Tavis Smiley at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues when we come forward. forward. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Roger Gunnar Smith, don't want to color this too much, but uh, you heard me say a moment ago uh, the fascinating. Uh, times that I have with people who walk up to me here and there and want to have a debate, not a debate, but a conversation uh, about Dr. Mm -hmm. King and my assessment of him. Uh, but, but talk to me about, again, it's not a, it, it's not a competition, but talk to me about Frederick Douglass and, uh, and why we might consider him as perhaps the greatest American this country's ever produced. Well, I think from the, if you measure a person from the depth, which he has come or she has come, mm -hmm. You know, to the height that that person has attained. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that Douglas is up there, but, you know, so, so is Harriet Tubman. Mm. And as, you know, Douglas said of, of, of Tubman, um, you, I worked in the day, you worked in the night. Mm. The midnight sky and the silent stars have been the witnesses of your devotion to freedom and to your heroism. So, well, Douglas was out there, you know, shaking hands and making speeches. She was in the dirt, literally liberating people. So they're both dedicated to a, a noble cause. Mm -hmm. And they had different ways of going about it, as did John Brown. Yeah. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of John Brown, <laughs> I had a... Three hour, I had a three-hour conversation one night with, with with Dick Gregory about John Brown, 
Um, and, mm-hmm. and it was the same conversation. He says, Travis, I hear your comments on King and Martin was my friend. I loved him. He said, but I'm, I'm putting John Brown in. <laughs> and so for three uh-huh. hours, so for three hours, we were back and forth about MLK versus John Brown. So it was a fascinating dialogue, but, uh, Dick Gregory laid that thing out, man, about John Brown as only Dick Gregory could do. And I will never forget that conversation for as long as I live. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was quite Quite, quite the dialogue. Um, you, you mentioned um, uh, they both were in a fight, talking specifically now of Douglas and Harriet Tubman, uh, for noble causes. Uh, are there noble causes these days? Since you mentioned earlier, we have a lot of work to do, and indeed we do. Are there noble causes that you think we are abandoning, noble causes that we ought to be undertaking in this critical moment in America's history? I think that when we talk about Douglas, for example, mm-hmm. He impressed upon all of us the importance of literacy. Mm-hmm. And it's something that he obviously never took for granted, and it's something for which he struggled um, all his life to educate himself. And he had to do that <laughs> underground when he was an enslaved man, right? Mm-hmm. So. I think that literacy is something that we, again, have to continuously uh, rededicate ourselves to. Uh, if, if there's a baton that is regularly passed on, it's, it's got to be that. Yeah. Well, um, I receive it. I receive it. Our remaining moments yeah. with Roger Gwyneth Smith when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where truth prevails. prevails. The tricky station is down the dial. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Got about five minutes left in conversation with our guest in this hour, Roger Gwynevere Smith. Um, Roger, I, I have always seen you and frankly always celebrated you as what I call a citizen artist. There are all kinds of artists um, uh, that I've been, you know, honored to talk to. But you are in that uh, category of what I would call a, a citizen artist because you don't make a distinction between your artistry uh, and your role as a citizen. And it seems to me, at least, some of the uh, choices you make uh, creatively uh, have to do with with being a, a a citizen artist. Which which leads me to ask, and I'm not sure I've ever asked this in, in the conversations we've had. Um, what your what your process is beyond you know beyond uh, wanting to continue you know doing the work that you do as an as an actor. What, what's your what's your process um, uh, as a citizen artist if you if you accept that label for how you go about making the choices that you make for what you're going to play? I asked earlier in this conversation why would a brother play Otto Frank? You gave a brilliant answer to that. I get it. The audience gets it now. But what, what's is is there a process for how you go about making these such these these vast and disparate choices in what you do on stage and screen? I'm always trying to keep my eyes open, keep my ears open. I think that observation is uh, the most important thing, not just for the actor, but I think for anybody who's trying to create any kind of art to observe to be one with the people. Um, last night, in fact, I went to a gathering which was called Afro Bowie. Mm-hmm. And it was a bunch of black folks who were playing David Bowie music because <laughs> yesterday was David Bowie's birthday. Mm-hmm. So you had um, 
Angelo Moore, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone there, Vernon Reed from Living Color was there. Kamasi Washington came in and did a little thing. And it was all about David Bowie, Mm. right? Now, do we not have permission to celebrate David Bowie as David Bowie celebrated us? Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I went to see Bowie at the Fabulous Forum. <laughs> I remember when he was on Soul Train. Yeah. You know, and that was before he was married to Iman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, we flow as the nation flows. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that Douglas would remind us of that. I think that. Harriet Tubman would remind us of that. I think that Dr. King would remind us of that. Interestingly, Dr. King and and Frank and Barbara Walters were all born in the same year. Mm-hmm. But only one had a natural death. Mm. Roger, always making me think. I hadn't, I hadn't processed that. Didn't see that coming. Um, but I, I take it. I take it. I take it. Let, <laughs> let, let, let me close on this note. With two minutes to go, let me close. I want to go back to your point about observation um, and yeah. and the, the power and the necessity, frankly, uh, for us to be observant. Uh, quickly here, when you uh, observe what's happening in the world that we are inhabiting today, um, you, you, you see what? Hmm. I see a rapidly changing sky. Mm. I see castles made of sand crumbling into the sea eventually. Mm. I'm gonna leave it there. That's something to that's something to process. Castles uh, falling into the sea. I take it, and I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to noodle that the rest of the day. That's something. To, that's something to interrogate and to think about. Uh, Roger Gwyneth Smith, uh, brilliant actor, playwright, director, educator, premiering his solo performance of Otto Frank at the Public Theater's Under the Radar Festival, January 12th through 22nd. Uh, Roger, all the best to you again. Have a great year, and I will talk to you somewhere down the road if uh, if he says the same. Let's do that. Let's meet at the crossroads. I love it. Some Robert Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. All right, now. See you on that corner. Yes, sir. That is our show for today. Back here, Lord willing, tomorrow morning. You do it all over again, 9 a.m. to 12 noon every day. Uh, It's time to make room for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve, uh, hosted by Naja Roberts. Doesn't matter around here. Old money or new money, either way, we've got you covered. Uh, and uh, again, back tomorrow morning. Uh, Lord willing to do it all over again, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Until then, thanks for tuning in to Tavis Smiley. Stay tuned to KBLA Talk and Eddie the rest of the day. And until we are back here tomorrow morning, as always, keep the faith. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.